Hello, Chris here with another installment of the Make It podcast. And, you know, people ask me, they say, Chris, I want to make a film. Uh, I wonder, how can Bonsai Creative help? Well, as advisory producers and growth hackers and brand consultants, we can help in many ways. But the one thing that is consistently missing from indie film budgets is branding and marketing spend. And that's where we come in. We develop strategies that help you answer the following questions. What makes your film attractive to buyers? Do you know your audience? Does your audience know you? What relatable word or trend or product can your film hook into? And uh, those are just uh, scratching the surface. Um, it goes a little bit deeper, and we, we can go beyond that as well in terms of just um, giving you the background and support you need just to Produce the film, for example, would be another way Bonsai can help. So if you'd like these and many other questions answered, visit bonsai.film. That's B-O-N-S-A-I dot film today to schedule a free discovery call. And on to today's show. So today we have a slightly different episode of the Make It podcast. And what makes today's episode different, you ask? Well, this episode is the first edition of our State of the Industry conversation and the first time that Bonsai co-founder Nick Bugs is joining me on the podcast. Uh, I think initially the goal was to do this quarterly, if, if not more often, as changes in the industry and topics arise. Um, and so we'll just see how it goes, but uh, very excited for this initial episode, uh, this initial conversation focused on indie film, of course. So what do we talk about? Well, on this episode, we discuss whether a great story is enough, uh, enough to be successful, that is, and profitable. Uh, is it okay to take a lesser role in your project? Meaning if you uh, go and pitch a project as the director and the writer, and they just want you to be the writer or just want you to be the director, should you take that? And last but certainly not least, the infamous Blair Witch problem, where it seems like films like Blair Witch, uh, in, uh, The Ring, um, Napoleon Dynamite, they just seem to just show up in prospectus as comps all the time. So we talk about that a little bit as well. I think it's going to be a very valuable conversation for everyone listening of all experience levels. So without further ado, please enjoy this initial episode of our indie film focused state of the industry conversation. You're listening to Make It podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps aspiring professionals in film get where they're going faster by dissecting the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives in the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. Hey everyone, Chris here, your fearless Make It podcast host, and today we have something special for you. Uh, as you know, I am co-founder of Bonsai Creative and an advisory producer and brand consultant. 
With me today is my co-founder, Nicholas Bugg. Say hello, Nick. Hello, Nick. Oh, I'm sorry. As I wasn't supposed to say that, was I? <laughs> well <laughs> what's done. Up, folks? Yeah, what's <laughs> up, folks? How you doing? Nick and Bugg's here. I'm glad to uh, have the opportunity to hang out with Chris today. Yes. And we are doing our first sort of quarterly, maybe we'll do it more, but the idea was to do this quarterly sort of state of the industry chat, uh, state of independent film sort of on the ground as we are. And um, really excited and happy to uh, be doing this, man. So Nick, yeah. yeah, thanks for thanks for jumping on and making the time. And sure, I know uh, we're going to talk about, yes, uh, talk about things that uh, we're both super passionate about. And so we were having this conversation um, offline, and I want to take it sort of online uh, recently. Um, and it's this conversation about story and, 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 and so, sort of um, if you have, and I, and I think this is, this is an ongoing debate uh, because it leads into other, other topics. But if you have a great story, I, I'm of the opinion that the story will do well and be profitable because, you know, story is king. And I think that your positioning is, and just stop me when I'm wrong, is that... Um, stop. <laughs> I think I think your positioning is is simply that no, you need a story, you need other factors, you need a great team, uh, you need the right situation, and I agree with that completely. Uh, so I'd, I'd love to jump in on this this topic here, Nick, um, and have you sort of state your your thoughts on this. Yeah, well, I think you know you're kind of a purist. You know, when it comes to, you know, the story and, and the song, you know, from your songwriting experience, um, where if you have a good song, it'll sell. If you have a good story, it'll sell. And I just kind of come in it, come at it from a different angle to say that it can for sure, because there's a lot of stories out there that haven't made it anywhere. Right. They're sitting on a shelf somewhere. Um, maybe they haven't been completed. Uh, maybe they've they're still getting pitched. And the main issue is that the filmmaker, the writer, uh, hasn't actually pitched the right thing, right? Mm -hmm. So the story is just a part of the thing that they're pitching. The other part is the cast. The other part is the filmmaking crew. You know, is the team a team that's reputable? Have they done things in the past? Have they won anything? Uh, do people know them? Are they recognizable? You know, same thing with the cast. Are they recognizable? Are they household names? Is it something that is bankable? Uh, because I think, you know, they're going to financiers, you know, executive producers. You know, you and I have seen hundreds of projects over the past couple of years. And, you know, we might be compelled by the story of like, wow, this is awesome. We want to be a part of this. But we're like, this filmmaker has only done one short, you know, mm -hmm. or this, this actor has only done one or two shorts and that film can't really survive just on their backs alone. And that's where I kind of come at it. It's like, you know, as, as filmmakers, you know, writers, they bring their products to us, you know, they got to realize that it's, it's the whole package that we're looking at. 
not just the story, even though the story might be the thing that compels us to be interested. Right. And and so it's it's so weird. This is such a difficult thing to explain because I do agree with everything you just said completely. <laughs> and, I, and, and we've operated in that manner for the most part. Yeah. But, but here's what I mean by the, a story that's great, not good, great, will always be successful. And what I mean by that is, is even if, let's say, and so let me give you an example. Let's say there's a great story and an independent team and crew make the film. So let's say it's a feature film story and it doesn't go anywhere. Uh, it, it isn't branded. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, no one knows about it and it does okay. And let's say it doesn't even break even in this example, okay? Okay. Someone down the line will see that it's a great story and remake it because that's what happens historically to great stories. This is where you get your great book adaptations where someone just missed a great story that was in a book that's 20 years old. Or uh, remakes of movies, you see this happen because a great story always survives. Now, it has to be in the hands of the right vehicle, as you put it. But that vehicle can be anyone down the line in history because the story is what survives. Same yeah, with songs. And, yeah, and I can, I, can, I can go with that, you know, with the idea that, um, you know, it won't be the original story. Um, but mm. some of the things that are compelling about it might find their way into this new version, right? So there was something that that was compelling, something that was really, I mean, outstanding, unique, new, innovative, um, that, you know, through some sort of cycle, it kind of finds its way back. But, you know, I'm kind of coming at it again from a more realistic standpoint and speaking <laughs> directly about that film, right? Like, it's that project that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the one that's made 20 years later, you know? So, you know, this, as you would mentioned before, like this kind of, you know, dovetails into this other discussion where, you know, we've seen a great story and, you know, we might come in and say, look, this is an awesome story, filmmaker X, Right. And we're like, look, the cast that you put up against, we know that these are your best friends in the world. Yeah. Like, you know, these people since you were kids and they're great to work with. They're fun to work with. But this story, to be honest with you, is bigger than them. Right. If you really want this thing to get out, you have to attach some names that are bigger. You need to get, you know, go after a budget that's bigger than them. Otherwise, yeah, you'll have fun making a project. You'll have a great time with your friends, but it won't be profitable. Well, right? Or well, maybe so let, let's dig maybe. on that a little bit because yeah. I have a thesis that I've been uh, espousing for years now, which is that the star system is dead unless you have the top 15, let's say, or top 20 IMDb stars in the, in the world. Right, wait, wait, wait. wait. I got I got I got to stop you real quick. Mm -hmm. You just did you just said thesis and espousing. In the mm -hmm. same sentence. I did. It's very, very technical on this side of the microphone. I'm trying to be like you when I grow up, man. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> do, do not make me use the word apoplectic because that's what, I, because that's what I'm going to get. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. 
but but no i i I just i don't think it just feels like um we are in this because i i so i have uh kids all around the world from many flings i'm just kidding i i have have three kids and i watch them i watch the way that um i watch the way that they move and what they do and this generation these last two generations uh growing up so uh gen z and gen y or is it is it gen y I, I can't know. remember. Like, Gen, yeah, Z, Gen Z, XYZ, and, right? Yeah, yeah. And anyway, the, these two generations watch things differently. Um, we've talked about this a lot when it comes to branding because um, people should absolutely be putting the link to their movies in social media that can be clicked on right away so, so that people can watch their movies from their cell phones. Yeah, Because sure. that is how kids watch movies and shows right now. They do yep. it on their iPads, their phones, on their computers. And I just, I actually see like, except in like theater spaces, meaning like home theater spaces, I see like the death of the regular television. Like well, it see, has like one more generational run. Well, I, don't, I don't see that yet just because I think it's not generational. I think it has to do with kids and parents or adults and kids, right? Kids watch stuff on their phones and on their tablets so they don't have to be around their parents, right? They get to go into their room or sit in the mm, car. I think it's more or, than that. Right, or while the parent is watching something on TV, the kid can literally be sitting on the couch watching something on their phone. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think adults, man, at least me, I want to watch that stuff on a television. I want to watch too, it but we, but on we, a large we, we television. We grew up in a different generation. <laughs> so that that's what I'm saying. So we were that generation who grew into these devices this this generation, they're born with these devices in their hands. And and I will tell you firsthand, because I've asked, you know, my kids would much prefer, unless it's sports or unless it's a movie in a theater, they would much prefer to just sort of get in their bed, put the covers over their head, and be sort of enveloped by the content. And 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 that is um just just the way that I think kids are are consuming things. You know, today, dude, could um, you imagine in a in a messed up future state, you know, a baby is born and instead of them putting a pacifier in the baby's mouth, they just give it a cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that shuts kids up today, you know, it's like just give them a cell phone and they're good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. A cell phone with a with a picture of a pacifier. There you go. Cause these <laughs> cause these days, dude, I swear that or, even with my kids. Nipple. It's this, yeah, it's the same thing, though. It's like, I swear, pulling a, a device away from my kids is like pulling a pacifier out of a baby's mouth. It's the same thing. They get this weird addiction to it that, again, you and I, you know, our generation, we didn't grow up with it like that. So we can disconnect more easily than they can. But, yeah, I see it. Dystopian it is, future. It, it, it is super freaking true. cell phones well, instead of. <laughs> you said dystopian. <laughs> you said dystopian, not me. I just think it's a different future, right? Like, yeah. like our our parents' parents didn't grow up with television, and therefore they drive around with bumper stickers that say "Turn off the TV," you know, "Turn off the dumb box." Well, how well, about the well, fact the, that they the drive TV around is, with bumper stickers to begin with? Yeah, exactly. Why are you doing it to your car like that? <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where the the TV's information and how you use it is really the key. Like if, if you're watching 
uh, something moronic like Fox News all day. Ha ha. Uh, <laughs> you went there, folks. <laughs> uh, or, or whatever, you know, then, then you're not using the tool um, to its to its greatest capacity, but anyway, huge digression. That's what That's I right. do. Yeah, Let, let's get um, back. Let's the get star, back. the star system. The reason why the star system doesn't matter is because of the way that that this these last generations consume content, which we just went over, yep. and then secondly, because of um, non scheduled watching uh, and and binge watching. So binge watching requires that there be more content than ever, which is great for us filmmakers and creatives and film. But it also means that, you know, there's only so much the rock can actually do now. It doesn't seem that way, but it is true. (laughs) There's only so much the rock can actually be in and do. So therefore other people have to come in, step up and show their talent. And so to me, again, if you have a great story and a great concept and it's done well to your point, executed well, you don't have to have stars in it, but you do have to have people who are very, very competent. And I think to, to the point you're making is, is, yeah, your friends are great. They grew up with you. It's cool. You're going to have fun. But are they the best at their job or near the best? Do they have a style? Are they art, uh, auteurs? You know, what is it about them that makes them deserve the job outside of the fact that they happen to know you? Yeah. Are they the best for this film? I mean, you can do tons of films with your friends, but it's like, is this the one, you know, especially for a compelling story that's something that needs to be told? I think that it just it needs the right team, you know, and that is something that, again, when you're looking, if we take it back to how people pitch stuff to us, you know, that's what we're looking at. You know, we do get excited about the stories, but we have to look at the package as a whole. And we have to look at this thing and say, yeah, we believe that you can pull this thing off. And we believe that on the other end of the coin, right, not just pulling it off, making the film, but we have to believe that someone else out there, like a distributor, a buyer, believes in the package, right? Mm -hmm. And they're not going to read your screenplay. Like it's not going to happen, right? They're going to watch the film and they're going to say, well, okay, what's going to draw people? Mm-hmm. That's the key, right? It's not people don't know how good your thing is until they've seen it. But why would they see it? You know, that's the thing with the Rock. Like even with the Rock, man. Like I feel like he just made very smart moves, right? He is himself uh, IP, right? He's intellectual property that is like compelling. People mm-hmm. know the Rock; they respect the Rock. Mm-hmm. But what he did was is he attached himself to compelling IP, right? Like when he attached himself to Moana. Like no one saw Moana because The Rock was in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, that wasn't it. It was Disney. It's a Disney movie. It's a new princess that we've never seen before. Um, Fast and the Furious was an, a huge IP before The Rock was involved in it. He attaches himself, even doing Rampage, which I have not seen, probably will not I, see. I, I saw it. It, um, wasn't, it wasn't bad. It was a rock movie. Yeah, but that's it what was, I mean. It was like uh, Skyscraper except with um, like Godzilla. Right. So then you got Skyscraper. Again, I didn't, I'm not seeing that. It probably did okay. Skys- um, skyscraper <laughs> is, is action-packed. It's a rock movie again. Yep. There are some things that are highly questionable, but when you're a larger-than-life action superstar, you are willing to suspend your disbelief a lot more than you would otherwise, right? So it's, it's yes. this weird thing where... Okay, here's a guy who has one leg. 
it's not even a good prosthetic. It's the kind that's like like a cane with a foot at the end of it. It's like <laughs> it's not it's not even like the the most fire lit yeah, right, kind of like right. like prosthetic yeah. for 2019. Right. And this 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 dude jumped from one end of a of a construction rail um, or beam rather mm-hmm. to a window. Uh, off the bad foot, I think off off the off the leg, and and it was like, it was like a a, a fifteen foot jump, yeah, a uh, hundred stories up, right. And and that's that's kind of the point. It's like you have you know. So again, he connected himself to some IP, did well there, and then I think he's able to borrow from that in order to do some other things. But you know, back to the point, it's that you know you need to be able to sell to buyers and distributors, you need to say people will come to see this fantastic film, this fantastic story, because, right? The story can't do it. They haven't seen it yet. (laughs) So what is compelling people to come see this? B-R-A-N-D-I-N-G. There you go, branding. And that all comes down to, again, the brand is your cast. The brand is your crew. The brand is an audience that you spent a year curating mm-hmm. uh, while creating your film, distributing behind the scenes footage, distributing pictures of your prog- you know, your process, um, you know, getting out there on social, inviting people into the process. I mean, there's a lot of work that can be done, but yeah, it comes down to how strong is your brand. And that's why I was, you know, you and I kind of get in these debates sometimes about story and and things like that. It's like, yeah, the story can do it. But that brand has got to bring people to the story. So whatever your mechanism is, whether it's, you know, grassroots, you're just literally going knocking door to door to get people to, to believe in your film or you get a mega superstar to be in it. And people just want to see the film because he or she is in it. Um, you know, whatever, if you borrow, you know, again, brand and you somehow get with a 24 or one of these, you know, quote unquote, independent, you know, studios, you, you got to get it somewhere. You got to get your brand somewhere. You got to build it somehow in order for people to actually come see the phenomenal story that you're trying to tell. So same thing on the investment side, you come to us as executive producers or anyone else you really got to be prepared with the brand that is going to bring people to you. And you just have to know that your passion for your film is not something that an audience member knows or even cares about. So you really got to dig in deep and say, yeah, the brand of my film is this, and this is why people not, this is why they would see it, but this is why they would be compelled to see it. And that's a huge difference. That last that last part is so valuable, Nick. That is really how I feel. Um, it's about um, because you know the compelling part. Because to me, that's it. It's it's this thing of um, well, I'll tell you this. Uh, the last um, the last several films I've watched, I watched because of word of mouth. I was someone told me, or I heard someone say, "Hey." this is a really good documentary or this is a good film. You need to watch it. So if you have a great story, you will, you will get word of mouth love. And that's so powerful. There's no better marketing than word of mouth. Every marketer, every branding individual expert um, will tell you that. And it's so valuable. It's the, it's the Holy grail, right? 
And so, or one of the holy grails in, in marketing. The other one has to know with exactly what is a 16-year-old thinking 24-7. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the, um, but, but here's the thing. Here's the punchline it, is that um, the person telling me to watch it was trusted and compelling themselves, meaning, meaning because this person said it was good, I went and watched it. So, for example, uh, our, our good friend Maki Depp asked me to go watch uh, Spider-Man Through the Spider-Verse, which at the time I had not even seen a trailer for. I just heard about it. I'd not even seen a trailer. I watched it sort of sight unseen and loved it. And it was great because I respect his opinion on movies. Um, you know, same thing was just, you know, so, so, so that comp- what makes it compelling is who you got to watch it. And then will they tell other people, about it. And if you don't, if you can't do that, then maybe the person telling you to watch it is somebody, like you said, that is, has a name, is a star, great at their craft, has an underground following, et cetera. You know, I think about the, um, I think about the film, uh, Don't Think Twice, which was like a Mike Birbiglia movie uh, about a bunch of comedians, improv comedians trying to make it. Um, had uh, Keegan Michael Key in it. So right away, I'm like, okay. That's compelling, right? And yeah. then, and then I heard, um, I think, an interview that uh, Mike Birbiglia had on uh, This American Life podcast, which I love and I've, I've loved for a long time. Um, and just having him talk about the movie, the process of making the movie, what it cost in the movie business, I immediately became compelled and interested in the film that he made. So I think even down to the, to the degree that you have a following. And you don't have to be a star. Most, but yeah, I wouldn't say Mike Birbiglia is a household name. People that listen to this podcast know who that is, but he's not a household name at all. And but his following will support his work because he's a hilarious comedian. He's a great writer. He's tireless. And so once he started talking, I became compelled. So the question is, you know, what is that compelling thing in your movie that you're going to leverage uh, to get your movie watched? Yeah. And that's that's the thing that I was mentioning about, you know, where you get your brand from. You know, you can you can borrow it, you know, from someone who is, you know, a star in some regard. Um, You can borrow it from, you know, a distributor, you know, that is a star in its own regard. You can borrow it from a director or producer. You can even borrow it from an executive producer who decided to, you know, finance all of or a portion of your film who is, you know, well connected. Uh, but, you know, some of the things that you just mentioned about, you know, being on a podcast or, you know, your friends and family, you know, telling you about a film, you know, there are ways, you know, for independent filmmakers to brand their films in their local communities. You know, I feel like, you know, there's this um, this view, this vision, this dream of where an independent film can go and it's always the the biggest dream possible. You know, it's going to get, mm-hmm. you know, worldwide distribution, it's going to be picked up by by Sony Universal, you know, one of these huge studios. Uh, and I feel like filmmakers, you know, are too quick to jump over their own communities and, you know, not and just basically forget that there are hundreds to thousands to tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of people that they have access to. Uh, that could basically help them recoup their their money or they could at least help them build a brand strong enough 
to then sell to a distributor or a buyer. So just like you mentioned, you know, Maki says, hey, watch this. Well, you know, what if you build this thing up in your community? And if it, again, like you mentioned, if that story is that good, it's going to sell. You just got to get people to see it. So if you start with that grassroots effort and you tell people in your community, hey, you know, check this out. If it's that good, word of mouth will spread and it can just spread in your community. And then you just start to ask people to comment on it, you know, share it with other people, get on a podcast, you know, talk about your film, get on the local news station, talk about your film. You know, you can do all these things in a grassroots fashion that helps to then sell your brand when you go to a distributor and say, this is what we've got. You know, and to be honest, that's the value of going to some of the film festivals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you and I have talked about that. It's, it's not every film festival, but when you go to a film festival, if your film is that great uh, and you win, you know, one or more awards at that film festival, again, it helps to legitimize your project. It helps to show that, yeah, other people have said the same thing about your film that you're saying about it. And of course, like we said, you just got to go to the right festivals for your film again, because it's a target audience. Not everyone's going to like your stuff. And it's not just every individual, not every community is going to like your stuff. Not every target audience is going to like your stuff. You go to the right audiences, you do well, that can help you to then position your film with a buyer or a distributor. So yeah, that's, I just, I really do believe that there's a lot of work that filmmakers can do on their own to curate those audiences, especially your ind independence, you're making, you know, sub $1 million films, you know, really do the work, you know, build a brand. If you can't borrow it, build a brand for me, for your film, um, that you can really sell to again, financiers, you can sell to buyers and distributors. Yeah. You have to do the work counter to the, uh, lack of budget you have. And, and access you have. So you have to make up that deficit somehow so that the, so that the uh, playing field is a little bit more even. Um, yep. You know, it brings up the uh, another thing I want to talk about for sure, which is, you know, uh, how do you know, right? Like this, this idea of we can, it's easier, it's so much easier said than done, by the way, to say, give me a great story. But how do you know when you've hit the mark with your story or with your film, how do you know it's great? Because there is a phenomenon that happens across all of the arts, and that is the artist and the people closest to the artist, like their family, wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, etc., husband, they are unable to see what the rest of the viewing community and world sees. Right. Right. Yeah. So so you could you shoot something that is pedestrian and you you don't see it that way. You see all the cool moments and and, and, and all the cool things you did without seeing that that maybe you weren't ready for for prime time. So in your opinion, are there are there social cues? Are there ways to know? that are bigger than yourself, external, outside yourself, where you can understand and know, okay, I'm on to something here. Yeah, well, I think, you know, again, one of the big ways is the festival circuit. 
You know, I think we, you and I have our thoughts on, on film festivals and, you know, some of them I think are, are wonderful for the filmmaking community. Some of them I think we believe might prey on the filmmaking community, but I think that you know, by and large, you can say that, you know, submitting to these film festivals and the ones again, that are appropriate for your film, for the community that your film speaks to, uh, you know, the first step is submitting and being accepted. You know, uh, if you're finding that you're not ex being accepted to these film festivals uh, where you believe you have a target audience, then that might be saying something. Uh, yeah. If you submit to the film festival and you make it, but, you know, you don't so much as get an honorable mention, you know, you don't get nominated for any awards, you know, that might be saying something. Uh, you know, us, you know, people like us, where we are actually, you know, very good at being uh, objective, you know, uh, third parties in this. You know, you get it to folks that that don't know you that well. You set up viewings with uh, folks to provide notes and, of course, viewings to people who are not your friends and family. Uh, and, you, you know, allow them to provide notes on your film. You know, you get insight it, yeah. that way. It's funny and, because it, it almost feels like before you even think about picking the camera up, you ought to send your story out to um, a diverse group of individuals and places and see what kind of feedback you get before you spend, because nothing would be more heartbreaking than spending $250,000 on a film that can't get into any festivals. Yeah. Or that, you know, never should have been made in the first place because well, that's what the I mean. story itself was flawed. Right. Yeah. Because, and I, I'm with you on that. And again, it, it's sharing outside of your circle. Uh, you know, if you can find, and, and I think it's difficult for filmmakers to do that because there's this idea that, you know, it's, it's their story and, you know, you wouldn't want anyone else to steal it. Um, and you know, it's funny. I, you know, I talked to a Imp buddy. Impossible by the way, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that. I talked to a buddy, you know, a couple of years back and, you know, you talk about you have an idea and you want to share the idea and there's, you know, people want you to sign NDAs and things like that. It's like, look, it's, you, you can't you can try to protect this stuff all you want. Um, but at the end of the day, what it comes down to is who can actually make it happen. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you, right. yeah, you got a great idea, but you can't make it happen. Then what, what's what value is your NDA? What value is is hiding it from people? Uh, you know, you got to get it out there. You got to take a chance, put it, put it out there, let people comment on it. So, yeah, I totally agree that if you can do that in the in the writing stages of it, that's the best time to do it. Uh, but if you are in that, you know, I've made a film and I need to test this out, then, yeah, I would 100 percent don't go unless you just need a pat on the back. You know, it's not about or just to, to prove to your family and friends that you could actually complete something, you know, completion. There is value in that. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're looking for the truth about the quality of what you've completed, yeah, you got to get it outside of your circle and let people do some real a real commenting on it. But I think, again, the film festival circuit, I think, is a great way uh, to help people understand, you know, how, how valuable, how, how much quality, how good was this work of art that I just created? Well, I, you know, I yes, I have to put a couple of stakes in the ground right now. And um, I will tell you, Nick, when I sit down with creatives, which I like to do you know, at least once a week and they don't want to send me their prospectus or they don't want to send me the script um, or they don't want to show me the trailer or give me the password to the Vimeo trailer. <laughs> um, 
but they just spent the last 30 minutes talking about this thing they're doing with me. Um, I never argue with them. I never push back. Um, because I know how much that thing means to that person, that individual. But inside, I have to, I, I kind of laugh to myself a little bit because, because in this age of technology, right? Like in, the, in, in, the, in this age of technology, what a, what a, what a fucking line. In, 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 <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In in these in these advanced times, um, right? But uh, every 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 screenwriting program is time stamped. Whether you put the date on there or not, it's all time stamped. Like like people cannot steal your story. Also, um, it happens in real life, like all the time, and it doesn't affect a great story. So think Armageddon Deep Impact, for example. So it happens, if someone can write a similar story to you, they're not writing your story. Right. Um, protecting yourself is easy. It's like $20 to register it at uh, the WGA, for example. Like, So you could even register it, but you don't even have to do that because you're going to write multiple drafts of this. It's all time-stamped. It's all dated. It's all legit. If you were, if you had to go to court over it and someone actually made a movie, the best advice I could give you is to let them make the movie and let it make a ton of money and then sue them because you, <laughs> right. you, you, will, you will be able to say, look, I wrote this story on this date. I met with this individual on this date. And then on that date, the movie came, was, was started principal shooting. So right, right. there is no reason in the world to not share something that you have that you're trying to get in investment for or pitch about there's there's no f- legitimate fear you you ought to have so that's that's my first stake in the ground right there i just i needed to i needed to vent that out well, um, i appreciate that man thank you for putting your stake yeah, in the ground yeah I, I had to do it the other one is um and it's 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 not necessarily um, a stake in the ground per se, but it it is it is an interesting question, and it and it's nuanced. But it's this idea of when to take a different role or position in your own project, and when to hold to your guns, right? Um, it comes up a lot. I know it's on a lot of the minds of, of, of the community that acts, um, in the independent community, actors in the, in the, in the independent film community, this idea that you are a writer actor is very common. Uh, writer directors are very common writer producers. So everybody's a hyphenate when you are an independent film, as you know, and I, I, sometimes I think to myself, is there anything like, is this your only story you're ever going to write? Is this your only great thing you're ever going to produce? Because if it's not, is there anything wrong with someone you pitch to coming to you and saying, okay, you don't need to be the director of this, or you don't need to be the lead actor on this. 
I have some ideas. I think your idea is great. I have some ideas on casting. I have some ideas on getting producers. I have some ideas on on who could uh, DP this. Um, if you do, if you, if you want to do that, you know, we'll buy your story, right? We'll make your film. And that is a terrifying conversation that independent filmmakers. Uh, um, could have and, and think about having because they want to, it's like they want the success with a condition. Um, it, rem- it actually reminds me of, um, it reminds me of when my mom would want me to go sing on American Idol. And I would say, mom, I don't want to be famous that way. <laughs> <laughs> Not that way, mom. Not, no, I just, right. it's, it was right. like, what? Right, right. It was kind of this ridiculous statement where the, the where, where the truth singing. is right. Where the truth is 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 that I, I didn't have the confidence to be a singer. Yeah, you you were scared. Yeah. Right, and and so the reality for me was is that I was I was always better if I could have a piano also, right, right, or yeah. sing to a guitar, right. So there was my crutch, um, and and I knew very well that you know American Idol is for lead singers, right. Um, who have, you know, incredible range and talent and power, et cetera. Um, but the crutch was, oh, I don't want to be famous like that. Right. So to me, it's like if some, if, 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 if you have something that can get made, it, there's no shame in taking this story and saying, okay, on this story, I'm just going to be a producer or in this story, I'm just going to write it. I'll be the head writer. Um, and I'll get some help writing it along the way uh, as we shoot. But well, then, let me, but let me then jump that in will, on that. But then that will hey. launch me into my next role, which I will be the director or yeah. I will be the star actor. Yeah, I think it's. I'm just gonna say I was gonna jump in on that just because you used the word just. And to me, yeah, that was probably the, wrong. Well, no, no, no. That's the key for me. Is that I think what happens with filmmakers. So what it all comes down to is what their goals are, right? What do they want out of this project? And I think it's very easy for filmmakers to use too many ands, mm-hmm. right? So they, they want to be profitable and they want to make it, you know, make them a star and they want to be known for their writing. And, you know, there's, there's all these ands and that's great. It's, it's to, ha- to have those things as goals, as objectives, as dreams, they're all great, but they, you really have to think about how many ands am I going to put in here to the point that you stifle yourself, mm-hmm. right? So you could be a great writer that just, right? You could just be a great writer mm, and, have a, and have this project take wings, take flight. Someone's going to buy it. You're going to get a great cast associated with it, and you'll be known as a great writer. Right. So that thing, to your point, now puts you in a different environment, has you associated with a different network of people, uh, has you associated with different projects where you're writing something uh, or maybe you're you're acting in a different project. Right. You decide again, you don't do it in this one because you're just a writer in this one, but you act in a different project and you pick that project to act in. That is the right project for you. And you have no other ands. Right. You're not going to produce. You're not going to direct. You're not going to write. You're just going to be the best actor you can be in that project. Mm -hmm. And that wins the day as just 
a great actor. And I think that's what it is for me. I think you got to take away the ands. So if you write a story and you're saying that you want a, the objective in this one is to be the lead actor, and that is your one thing is the lead actor, then you have to be okay with someone else coming in and saying, oh, I think we might need to tweak the story just a little bit. You can't yeah. then jump back and say, no, and I want all writing credit. It's like, look, <laughs> you know, pick one and, and, and roll with that and allow some adjustment, allow some other people that you respect, other people that you admire to come in and, and take the helm on some other parts. But to me, that's it. It's just you really have to look at how many ands you put into the equation and you have to look at it and say, where am I willing to concede for my own personal success? Mm -hmm. That is so poignant because, and look, we're preaching, but we're also part of the congregation. I don't think it's any secret. People know that um, I've done screenwriting and do screenwriting and I have a screenplay that um, I desperately want to get made into a film. And, and look, I was able to say to myself, I will take a lesser role to ensure that this story is great. And so I, I got a contract killer to, to come in and, and help me with this story and, and co-write. And I took a lesser role because at the end of the day, I just want to tell a great story. And it's not about me uh, adding an and you know, to, to anything or, or, or to my role in the, in the project. So, yeah. um, and, and, and finding a way to be objective about that is, is, is the key. So that, um, leads me into, oh, objectivity, Nick, it, it leads me, it leads me into the, the process, um, that independent filmmakers take, uh, to get investment dollars. And, uh, the um, objectivity and and research and work needed to to really um, compel an investor to 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 spend money on their movie. Um, we've oh, so you're, you're bringing it all back home. That's what you're doing. I got mm -hmm. it. Bringing yeah. it all back home. Yes, and and okay. so uh, there's a little something me and you call the Blair Witch problem, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's part of it's part of the problem. Um, that we see, and you mentioned earlier in this conversation, you know, over the span of a year, we get hundreds of project submissions, screenplays, perspectives, uh, um, really small pitches, <laughs> people texting for money, et cetera. Yep. Um, but, uh, it, there's only one or two that seems to be compelling in a year. Um, and so we see this as a, uh, something that's almost systemic where it's like, um, maybe everybody's talking to everybody and, and building the same bad perspectives over and over again. Um, because no matter what the Blair Witch project just gets thrown in as a comp. <laughs> yeah. And somehow or another, like, how does this keep happening? Yeah. It's like, um, it's funny. It's kind of like, or, or Napoleon it, dynamite. Right. But I think about it like a little dog, right? Like a little dog that just keeps barking at you, you know, like it's just keep barking. Like that little dog swears is a big, it's a big dog, but it's not. You know, and I think if some filmmakers think they're big dogs and they have to realize they're not. So like when you comp against, you know, a unicorn film or you comp against a studio film that had a list actors, it's like you have to realize you're not that. It's like if anyone has ever bought or sold a house, like, you know how to comp. You comp against things that are comparable, comparable to your project. 
You know, they have to have attributes. It's not the story that's a comparable, right? We're not we're not doing that. That's your look. That's, that's, you wanna... <laughs> that's the number one. That's the number one error right there is the comp yeah. is to the story instead of to the project. Exactly. It's about the project. So that's the thing is that you have to really. And yeah, you're right when we call it the, the Blair Witch problem. And it's funny. We've heard on other podcasts where people are saying, yeah, you know, this guy put the Blair Witch project. And it's like at this point, you think it's a joke like that. It's not really happening. But it is. It happens all the time. And we're just it just kind of it knocks you out of the running almost immediately because it's not true. Mm -hmm. Right. So as an investor, you're presenting what, uh, you know, a prospectus is basically a business plan and you are presenting a business plan to us saying that you're like some movie that's got, you know, again, like you talk about The Rock, The Rock in it. It's got Sandra Bullock in it. Like your film has your friends from high school in it that haven't made a feature yet. Mm -hmm. You cannot compare it. Like I said, you could use that in a lookbook to say that it's going to look like this film, but it's not going to win like this film because it's not a comparable. And that's where, again, you have to do the research. You have to curate an audience. Um, you need to figure out the, you know, I always say you need to find your audience and you need to be so specific about it that it can fit on the head of a pin. Mm -hmm. Right. It, I mean, that's specific so that you can market to that audience, you can you can touch them. You know, you know that you, through your marketing dollars that you're gonna invest, you're gonna get for this film, you can reach them and they're in sufficient number to help make your film profitable. And I think that's what you were saying, you know, you do, do your work, do your, do your research. Don't, you don't do your research if you just go to IMDB and you just pick one of the, you know, winningest films you know to comp against that's you know i'm gonna call that man so we, we have the the blair witch problem mm -hmm. i'm gonna call that a comp out <laughs> <laughs> oh we are both dads aren't we it's a it's a great dad joke yeah, it is a, yeah it is you just comped out and, that's what you just did this this nick this this conversation is so has been so much fun and um there's so much to dig into when it comes to this last topic on on investing and what gets investors interested and, and hungry and excited and all the different things within a prospectus that um, one can do to improve their chances of getting those dollars. Um, because there's a lot more to go into, like you yeah, hinted sure. at you, you hinted at one, for example, which is doing the math on my audience is this size times whatever distribution model or licensing fee that we get through distribution um, and making the math work in the perspectives for the investor. Um, it, it's just, uh, it's just a general rule of investing that I'll share here, which is just that um, investors only invest in markets they know and understand deeply. And, um, you know, I will tell you, for example, for me, um, any investment I've ever made, I understood the uh, product or market or company uh, deeply so that I understood and would understand in the future, oh, it dipped because of this or it will dip because of these factors, but it will also win because it fundamentally has this thing that no one else has that will that will expand on this other thing that will become 
a big thing in five years, right? So that's kind of the idea that you want to get your mind around if you're an independent filmmaker seeking um, is seeking investment uh, through through your through your prospectus um, uh, for sure. So yeah, yeah. I, 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 I love um, I love what you what you said there. Um, definitely enough for around two, three, four. And like we oh, mentioned, sure, earlier, yeah. And, and what we mentioned earlier in the conversation, hoping to do this every quarter, if it goes really well, we'll do it a lot more often. Um, it just gives me a free and easy, you know, chance to have another fun conversation with you, Nick. So that, that works out nicely. Oh yeah, um, man. You get the you know, mutual benefit here. And, you know, I get to say what's up to the audience that I normally don't get to say hi to. So, you know, What's up, people? I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't you don't hear from me often, but uh, you know, uh, if anything, I'm the uh, the voice in, in Chris's ear. Um, you know, kind of help you know helping uh, with getting, Jiminy Cricket. It's getting a little sexy, a little whatever. Nah, creepy man. sexy. I didn't, I didn't say I was going to bury white in your ear. I said mm. <laughs> the little voice in your ear, <laughs> like Jiminy Cricket style. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I just I appreciate the opportunity to come out here and, uh, you know, talk some good stuff with good people and uh, two good people out there. Um, you know, it's all about this community that we are a part of, that we are doing our best to help grow. So it's just this is this is cool stuff we're doing, man. I hope to do more of it. Yeah, for sure. And and uh, a lot of problems to solve, a lot of problems to, to talk to and um, you know, the whole conversation uh, reminds me of um, the number. So the, the I ask one question for sure in every sit down. Like I said, I like to have them once a week, Nick. And I'll always ask, who's going to, who, who's your audience for this? Um, who's going to watch it? And I, and I don't say it really in a demanding or inquisitive way. I'd say it in a curious way. I want to know what they think. Number one answer. Do you know what it is, Nick? I hope it's not everyone. It is. The answer 90% of the time is it's really great for everyone. Yeah. And I'll give you a secret. That's the wrong answer, folks. Yeah. That's the wrong answer. So let chew on that a little bit. Um, If you want to reach out to us, you can find us at our website at bonsai.film. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, at underscore bonsai creative. Uh, so do hit us up there for sure. Uh, you can ask us questions at contact at bonsai.film. If you'll email us that, we will get back to you there. And you can also find us on Facebook at Bonsai Creative Film. So all those different places. And uh, before we uh, say uh, goodbye for this session of State of the Industry, Nick, do you have any parting thoughts, any parting words for our listeners. Uh, I'll just say that, uh, yeah, you can find us in all those places that Chris mentioned. Uh, but we also like to eat some good food and drink some good drink. So you might find us out on the town somewhere in one of your favorite hot spots. Uh, and if you do catch us out, Hey, say, Hey, you know, we, uh, always like making good friends. That's right. We're not shy. And, um, Uh, We are always down to to talk about film and creativity and art in general. So uh, we love you guys uh, out there and uh, we hope you enjoyed this. Let us know. Give us feedback. 
on social media or the avenues that I said earlier. Um, and let us know what you think about this type of episode, what you thought about this conversation. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you have feelings, comments either way? So thanks again. And until next time, uh, arrivederci. <laughs> <laughs> Later, folks. Later. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find out more information on this week's creative, including links to their projects and social media feeds, please visit our website at www.bonsai.film forward slash make it. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative. If you do that, the show will pop right up. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step toward your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Show Me How to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.